2: starts right now live from the Nasdaq market side overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lee. Your traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, David Seberg, Dan Nathan, and Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, Tax day is tomorrow, and it could provide a huge boost to Bitcoin. The man behind the Bitcoin tax-selling theory, Tom Lee, will join us to explain just how high it could go. Plus, it was a wild weekend for Elon Musk on Twitter, at least. The celebrity CEO tweeting Onion articles and even pictures of tequila. This is a company faces new safety concerns at its production facilities. We've got a special report. But first, we start off with Netflix, the best-performing stock in the S&P 500 this year, reporting strong earnings and guidance moments ago. And the stock is soaring after hours. The streaming giant says it added 2 million subscribers in the U.S. That beat expectations. Shares are now just dollars away from its all-time high. So is the stock unstoppable? Is the fang trade back on? Guy. Well, the
3: Netflix trade, I think, has never been off, quite frankly. And is it? I don't know if it's unstoppable. I mean, David speaks to this. I thought the domestic ads were ridiculously strong. Just when you think they can't grow anymore in the United States, they grow in the United States. Honestly, I thought the international ads – may be a little disappointing given what they've done previously but when you add both of them up it shows it shows ads that people I don't think we're looking for the stock is higher now by I think 14 or so dollars I think it continues higher the downside will be and Tim will bring it up they continue to burn through cash and at a certain point that becomes a problem but you know what I think they're at a point now in their life cycle where they can start to slowly raise prices and people aren't going to go away. Yeah, look, I'm oh, sorry.
4: Go ahead, David. No, I mean, I, I agree. I think Reed Hastings has it down. I think the sort of, you know, subscriber, you know, beat, you know, expectations game, he's nailed it. And the stock is going to continue to work until that ends. So when's that going to end? flip a coin in the air. I can't, I can't imagine it ends over the next several quarters. So they've done a great job partnering up the likes of T-Mobile, adding new U.S. subscriptions through that sort of franchise. And I think just, look, the momentum here is solid. One thing to point out about this stock versus the rest of Fang. I mean, Facebook, you know, Amazon, Google, Amazon's much more top line centric, right? You're going to watch your top line growth there. That's all that matters in that story. Fundamentals matter for Facebook and Google much differently than they matter for for the likes of a Netflix. So I think that this may not necessarily suggest that all is clear for for the rest of, of FANG. Uh, but it is actually a good indicator. And I think we only indicator.
2: mentioned that on the premise that in the past they've traded as a cohort, but yeah. that relationship has really broken down, especially yeah. of late with the Facebook yeah. uh, revelations in the past month or so. Uh,
1: look, true words have never been spoken um, by David. Fundamentals don't matter. By the way, the only value I've added on Netflix is being a contrarian indicator, you know, for the last right. year because... This is not based upon fundamentals. You can't make an argument on on the content side. You can't make an argument on the distribution side. I don't think you can even make an an argument in terms of the technology itself. But but if you want to think about someone that's so far ahead of themselves, people have given Facebook at least this first mover advantage and this critical mass advantage. Netflix clearly is now the standard for the industry and one that I think even the big boys like Disney are following. no,
5: I can't buy it here. Yeah, you know, it, it is trading on fundamentals. There's, they're excluding a couple fundamental facts. Guy mentioned, um, you know, negative free cash flow. Last year, they lost $2 billion. They're guiding to 3 to $4 billion loss this year as content costs are going up. Last year, they spent $6 billion on content. They're going to spend $8 billion. Right now, their revenue mix is about 50-50 U.S. and, and uh, international. Mm-hmm. But the international one is really the one that's growing. They keep outperforming on the domestic. So right now, you can say to yourself, if you don't care about negative free cash flow, Cash flow, then things are going great. They well, have 125 million paid. So no, I, I, so but but they don't care about it now. Tim, the stock's up 65 percent right. this year. No it was kidding. up 70 percent last year. So what I'm saying is, is like they may have this moat where investors are just don't care. They haven't cared about it in Amazon, right? And so well, at some point, here, here's what I think about the cash burn. Here's why it's working.
1: Because they're actually winning Emmys. They're actually getting somewhere on the content they're spending. If they were actually not getting anywhere with their programming... And not
2: um, adding subscribers. And not adding right. subscribers, yeah, we'd game. be like,
1: all right, these guys have... Right. Uh, first of all, they bought a lot of content near its peak. Um, but good for them. But that's, I guess, my point. But at some point, where do you, you catch can, up to this in multiple? every other yeah, industry. That's, the, that's Look, But
5: think about this, guys. Okay, their ASPs year over year went up 12%. I'm not pounding the table saying buying it. I'm saying I understand why it's being bought. I understand why it's been bought for the last year, okay? They're having... They just booked their fastest year-over-year revenue growth in a quarter since 2011. That's pretty remarkable for a company right. this size right yeah, now. But the so to me, problem is, they're doing well, everything yeah. right and people don't care about the cash burn. That's I, all I'm agreed, saying. Agreed,
4: but when you look for, at Got forward it. estimates. Looking out to 2024, Even look at the most aggressive street estimates that exist. And you're not looking at it, and give it, ascribe a multiple that's in line with the likes of Facebook or Google, and you can't even get to the why stock price why should right now. We were just, I, look, we are just, saying, we are just
2: saying how they're Street, very different businesses, agree, so why agree. should well, we no, afford I'm the saying, same multiple across I'm, the no, board?
4: You shouldn't. In fact, you should Facebook's not. Okay. I'm just supporting so, the fact right. when you look at it, when you look at the fundamental bracket, it doesn't support it at all. The fundamental story does not support the valuation at all. It is all about... Beat and raise, subscriber beat and raise, the what is if to come or, you know, what's to come is essentially the story. And that is the international subscriber growth and gaining significant steam on that. It's really about getting scale. Should subscription
3: price be cheaper than HBO? Probably it should trade at some, the subscription price at some discount, but not to the discount. You mean how much
2: you and I pay for subscription? How much you and
3: I. A lot of people probably don't even realize what they're paying because it's embedded in their bill. So they can, I believe Reed Hastings can start to ratchet up prices and people aren't going to go anywhere. That's the rub. And quite... And then if you ask yourself this question, how far behind the eight ball is Disney now when you see net ads like this in the United States and wondering, you know, Disney wants to go down this road. It's going to be too late a year and a half or two years from now. If Disney's
1: so far behind the eight ball, then suddenly this is not a content story, okay, because Disney's got the best content in the world. They don't need to answer to anybody. And I, and I think about this, and it gets back to a point: is what is Netflix? Netflix value? They're in every home. They come preloaded on every TV you buy. Everybody's got a subscription. I go to a ski house for the weekend. I log in my neck or Dan's Netflix account, and then you know suddenly <laughs> <Ooh>. the bottom. <laughs> That's line why my queue is a disaster. I, I, it's the weird. weirdest oh, stuff. I, I, yeah. It's weird. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, the bottom line here is this is why it's even more outrageous to say that there's no competition. These guys are going to do this forever. So, so I, but I Tim, here,
5: I'll just say this. At some point, Reed Hastings is going to start broadening out his right. vertical. You know, he's going he's to go just away from video. And they're going to buy Spotify or something like yeah. that. And then, and then people are going to be like, oh, my goodness. That and was they create really, an ecosystem. Yeah, I mean, they create a real, content ecosystem, that, ecosystem. That's really what has themselves. to happen. If I were them, I would start using my current trading on a multiple like this. Because
2: it doesn't own, con- I mean, own content. But
1: it could go out there and build it. And effectively, that's, they could go buy Spotify. In other words, they have all the loyalty. They have the platform. They have all the, the, the installed base. They but have the, the same things that people are rewarding Netflix for. This is my point. And everyone's waiting. You know why? It they haven't been good at it. that's They haven't been good at it. It's not in their
4: that's DNA. And, and the multiples reflective of that. If they started to do it and they executed properly, the stock would get, would get a multiple worthy of it. Tim makes fun of it. me. What's my nickname? Say it.
3: Q-Tip. Q-Tip. Everybody knows your name is Q-Tip has competition, but everybody buys the brand. Jello has competition, but everybody buys Jello. Band-aids, no, they don't are buy. Strips, they don't necessarily buy it. They, they buy call band-aids. everything.
2: Q-tips, but they may what not buy mean, Q-tips. I'm
3: telling you, because you in the know, end, if it functions the same, I'm getting the real thing because I don't want to put those fugazi is, Q-tips in my ear. By the way, just saying. every time you get a haircut,
2: I don't, I, I don't, I don't understand how. I
3: your Q-tip anymore.
2: How? How? How is that? relevant to this conversation. You're saying that people <laughs> will, I mean, question,
3: no, I mean is, right. that, is that a legitimate question <laughs> or what? Netflix <laughs> is becoming... It's becoming people's site. Netflix, no matter what the service is, you it's a get Netflix. Netflix. You're not hulu so and where chilling, this, Where that's
5: wrong is this. Um, if their content's not good, then people won't be Netflixing and chilling anymore because...
1: You know,
2: it, it if just it's just all crap, be. nobody's going to watch right. it. Right. So I mean, that's the bottom line. So
5: right. I mean, think what's more think important?
1: The content that they've bought are the content that they've produce. produced. That they produce. Not for me. I can tell you right Get, of money get, doing. on the
2: kid front i, I would imagine that it's the
1: kids, yeah for i can watch old rockumentaries or you know vh behind the music think about about the it's weirder up- than yeah. that dude
4: it's weirder yeah. than that think <laughs> about the evolution of this company. remember when amazon was cited as having a spending problem right and what happened to the stock netflix had that issue when people were arguing about how much they were spending on content now it's coming to do, do them some serious justice so content is king scale is king and they've
6: got it.
2: All right. For more Netflix's move after hours, Chartmaster Carter Worth is over at the Plasma with his instant earnings analysis. Hi, Carter. What are you looking at?
6: you so we're going to look at Netflix, but also earnings in general. Here is, of course, just exactly what you all have been talking about. One thing that's key is the stock hasn't quite made it to the prior high. It was a Monday. It was March 12th, and it was 333 spot 98. It got as high as 332. Um, my hunch is that on all approaches to that uh, high of, of Monday, five weeks ago, you want to either write calls or trim into the move on the open. But let's, let's pull back from here and then end from here. Let's talk about really the most important price action so far into the earnings season. It's the big banks, right? And, and you've, you've covered this over the last several days, but I wanted to really look at it in detail. Uh, these are all, uh, in fact, five of the 11 biggest financials reported, and basically it's been very Very good earnings. All have beaten, but the price action has been very poor. You see the big names here. There's a second slide, just to round it off. But this is the real point, that on average, these big names have dropped 3.3 percent on the day following beats. That's not good action. Um, Moving on to the market total, we've had 52 stocks in the Russell, 3,000 reports since April 1. You've got 31 beats, 60 percent misses, and then, of course, uh, in line. But it's not about whether you beat or miss. It's about how you react to the beat or miss, of course. And, and this is what we've had. It's been fairly muted. The average performance of the beats up a little bit, but the average performance of the misses down 7.6%, and that's heavier or uh, outlier uh, behavior than normal. All right, back to this big fellow. Let's draw the lines. Let's put in the stats first. Okay. Moving on to the stats, this is what Netflix has done all quarter reporting periods since inception. When the stock was down on the day going into earnings, as was the case uh, today, typically it was down the following day. And when it was up, so this is going to actually contradict this pattern, meaning it was down today, but it's indicated up in the night market. And then finally, the lines. Okay, here we go. And what we know is that the stock checked back to the top of the channel that it's been in. I mean, it's lived in this channel for the better part of three years, and right now, we are toying with the high. Again, my hunch is to trim it if it touches the high of 333 or write calls.
2: Carter comes over, right? Yeah. All right, That's come true. on over, Carter. When does he not over- come over? We're not done. Yet, yeah. Hardly ever, but thanks, Ryan, for bringing the chair in.
1: Welcome. Good stuff.
2: Um. So... Is the bottom line here that you believe uh, that earnings beats will have much more muted reactions in the markets? The bar is much higher going into this earnings Well, that's right,
6: because it's it's an overwhelming consensus. The narrative has been the same, that the tax cuts, a non-chart thing, but that's what's driving it, and the low unemployment, and trade wars, maybe, maybe not, that everything is going to get saved by this quarter. And the earnings consensus is for something like 16%, 17% earnings growth. Yep. And we had great numbers out of the financials, which are the lifeblood of the system, second biggest sector by weight, and most important sector by theme. The reactions were terrible. Um, that's not great. Um, you'll have an outlier like this like Netflix, but, but the presumption is that the earnings are not going to save anything. Mm-hmm.
2: In terms of the Fang stocks, um, The correlation once upon a time used to be pretty tight i mean this is sort of just the momentum driven technology area of the market so they traded along with a lot of other big cap technology stocks at this point how far broken down is this correlation in other words if we get more beats from amazon and alphabet could we sort of save the tech sector
6: right so we know facebook's leading on the way down google's the second worst microsoft's been fine apple middling and then you've got the two high flyers, Netflix and Amazon. I mean if Amazon pulls this kind of move, that will help offset the, the trouble with Facebook and sort of net us out is maybe not much progress from the Fang group.
5: So, 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 sorry, it was just, it's the first year in a couple we've had, like, a real market where you could trade it, okay, and we have levels here. So, you know, you were looking at the Russell. I, if I look at the Russell 2000, it made a pretty perfect double top. If you look at the NASDAQ, 7,000 double top. The S&P never got there. Um, so, you know, we bounced off the lows here. We seem to be in a trading range. Do you see us busting out of this range that we've been in year-to-date anytime soon?
6: No. I mean, that's the, sort of the goalpost thesis, right, that we have this fairly remarkable 10-session plunge right, from the Friday, the 26th of January to that February, Friday, uh, ninth low. And the, we've set goalposts for quite some time. But always, I think, the lower goalposts are the
1: ones that rest. But, but quickly, transports yeah. broke out today.
6: Big day for the transports. It was a trucking-led thing. J.B. Hunt led of all 20 stocks, and all the other truckers uh, followed through. Transports have been lagging by so much, maybe it's a catch-up trade, obviously, to be, to be watched. Yeah. All
2: right. Carter, Thanks, thank guys. you. Carter Braxtonworth. Uh, We've got a news alert here on the latest NBC Wall Street Journal poll. Let's get to John Harwood in D.C. with all the details. Hi, John.
7: Melissa, as it happens, we've got data both on tech and on tax cuts, two subjects you guys have been talking about. First of all, we took the temperature about how people feel about the influence of tech companies, and not surprisingly, in the wake of that disclosure of 87 million Facebook accounts having been compromised, you have uh, a plurality, 37 to 35 percent of Americans saying that Facebook has too much influence, not so much for the others that we checked out, uh, Google, Amazon, Twitter, uh, but uh, it's clear from this data just how extensive these products have integrated themselves in our daily lives. 70% of respondents in our poll said they do Google searches daily, 63% own an Apple product, 50% check Facebook daily, 46%. This was stunning to me. Our Amazon Prime members, fewer are on Twitter. And what does all that add up to, THERE IS A GROWING APPETITE FOR SOME MORE REGULATION OF THOSE COMPANIES. ONLY 14% SAY THERE'S TOO MUCH REGULATION uh, OF TECH GIANTS. 37% SAY WE NEED SOME MORE. 37% SAY IT'S ABOUT RIGHT. NOW ON TAX CUTS, WHICH HAS BEEN THE ISSUE THAT REPUBLICANS HAVE BEEN HOPING WOULD HELP THEM HOLD THE CONGRESS THIS FALL AGAINST THAT BLUE WAVE COMING FROM DEMOCRATS. TAX CUTS ARE NOT DOING SO WELL RIGHT NOW, SO THEY MAY NEED TO EITHER SHARPEN THEIR MESSAGE OR GET A DIFFERENT ISSUE. 27 percent, just one-quarter of the American people say the tax cuts were a good idea. 36 percent say it was a bad idea, and when you lay out potential effects, job creation, uh, boosting the economy, more money in people's pockets, only 39 percent say they see positive effects from the tax bill. On the other hand, if you say, uh, what about the deficit, what about the benefits for the wealthy and big corporations, 53 percent say those are negative effects that they see. So uh, the tax cuts are not faring well politically, of course, uh, economically. And for the stock market, that may be another story altogether, guys.
2: all right. And, John, these are – this is a poll of voters, correct?
7: This is a poll of Americans with a subset of registered voters. Okay. So not everyone here uh, was a registered voter. 900 sample, 3.27 uh, margin for error in this poll.
2: Got it. John, thank you. John Harwood you breaking down the details of the latest poll. Guy?
3: Lots unraveled there, but what yeah. I think about is Facebook. They report April 25th, I believe. I'm hard-pressed to believe they to report a great quarter. I think it would be bad opti- optics if they did. You'll say that regulation hurts the little guy, does not hurt the big guy as much. I agree with that, but I do think the headwinds are still there for Facebook. I would sell it into this quarter.
2: All right, coming up, a controversial arrest in a Starbucks in Philadelphia, putting the company's new CEO in the hot seat. But did he just give Wall Street a masterclass in crisis management? We've got those details, and we'll tell you what it could mean for the stock. Plus, It is make or break moment for Bitcoin. Can the cryptocurrency rally this week after the tax deadline is behind it? Fundstrat's Tom Lee will be here. And later, top strategist and fast money friend Tony Dwyer says the market lows are in and there's a major stock rally ahead. What's he looking at that's got him so bullish? He'll be here to explain. We're live from Times Square in New York City. Much more fast money after this. Welcome back to Fast Money Starbucks in hot water after controversial arrests at one of its stores over the weekend sparked outrage. Contessa Brewers in the newsroom with more. Contessa.
0: Melissa Starbucks CEO Kevin Johnson is in Philadelphia today and reportedly will meet with the two men arrested when a Starbucks manager called police to report them trespassing. Six officers responded and led them out in handcuffs last week. Now, the commissioner says police followed protocol, also asking the men to leave. The men refused. Reportedly, they were there to meet a white acquaintance and had asked to use a restroom, but instead were asked to leave. Their friend arrived during the arrest, as you can see, and demanded answers. The video was posted on social media.
3: What did they do? What did they do? Did someone tell
1: me what they did?
0: They didn't do anything. I saw the entire thing. They didn't what did that? they do? The CEO calls those arrests reprehensible. Starbucks declined to pursue prosecution, and in fact, the CEO says some of the training and practices at the company led to this bad outcome.
3: In this particular case, the local practice of asking someone who is not a customer to leave the store, and unfortunately then followed by a call to the police. Now certainly there are some situations where the call to police is justified, situations where there's violence or threats or disruption. In this case. None of that existed.
5: These two gentlemen did not deserve what happened. And we are accountable.
0: I am accountable. Critics, though, continue to call customers to boycott Starbucks. And for a second day, protesters demonstrated at the store where the arrest happened. That store has now temporarily closed and the manager has left the company. A spokesperson here, Melissa, initially described it as a mutual decision. Then she said she misspoke. Johnson has said the blame lies not with the manager, but with management. By the way, the stock today up just slightly on the day despite this news. All right, Contessa, thank you. Contessa
2: Brewer, so does Kevin Johnson's swift response to the controversy make the stock a buy? Did it already build up a bunch of goodwill? Because it's got a pretty good brand.
1: First of all, I I think Starbucks, I think... Howard Schultz, has done a phenomenal job of creating an environment of diversity, of advocating for lower minimum wages, training, educating his staff. He's putting people through college. I mean, anybody that knows anything about this guy, if anything, he's clearly leaning towards a liberal stance on society. So I don't think you can blame and say Starbucks is offsides here. And in fact, let's, I don't know. I wasn't there but um, it seems like the police might have overreacted as well. So bottom line here, Starbucks is a valuation story that people need to get comfortable with. And I think at 19 times 2019 numbers, this has actually gotten to a place where this stock is very
4: attractive. I, look, I mean, right or wrong, whether they actually made a mistake or not, like Kevin Johnson handled this, I think, very well. I mean, in a very delicate, difficult situation, I think he reacted immediately. He talked about training, talked about the fact that he's going to, you know, look at the training and whether or not there needs to be some, you know, you know changes within that, that strategy. I think they executed it well versus other public companies who in the past haven't, who let things like linger on. They didn't let it linger on a plus for him. He said uh, said
2: it's my fault. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think we're going to look
5: by this pretty quickly and start focusing on that that valuation. You're going to start focusing on the fact that the last two quarterly comps have been disappointing and the Mm -hmm. stock has actually reacted very negatively. It's been really stuck in a range here. So I don't love the fact that the stock has actually rallied uh, about 10% over the last couple months into the print. When do they report in a couple uh, months? You know, they're seeing declining comps in Europe. They're disappointing here. They have a lot of competition from fast food. So to me, this thing could continue to be range bound.
3: April 26th, It's you know, I think that's when they report. Valuation is compelling, but Dan's right. The last couple quarters have been sort of squishy. It needs to break out above the high I think we saw about two and a half months ago. What's that level, 62 Dan? Bucks, 62 guys. bucks 62 right. bucks. Thank you, Dan, So I'm looking over your shoulder. Yeah, well. He's, He's in and carrots
2: Coming up, Tesla CEO Elon Musk taking to Twitter with some crazy tweets this weekend. All this while more issues with his electric car company pile up. Is the stock in bigger trouble than you think? We've got a special report. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, first in business worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is
6: coming up on Fast. As Bitcoin bounces off the mat, Tom Lee, the man who called the rally, is back with an even bolder call on the cryptocurrency. That's next. Plus, what's the only thing more interesting than Bitcoin? Yep, weed. And all this week, Fast takes a look at the cannabis crazy and how you can profit when Fast Money returns.
2: Welcome back to Fast Money. Crypto investors everywhere biting their nails ahead of what many see as a key test for the crypto market, tax day. Bob Pisani's got more on this make or break moment for crypto. Bob.
8: And Melissa, Bitcoin's down 4% today, but still staging a mini rally since the bottom. The, the question is, why is this happening? Bitcoin bottomed on April 6th at about 6,600 after dropping from about 11,000 in early March. It was a pretty steep descent. Since bottoming last week, it's up almost 20%. And one prominent theory for that March dip is that owners of cryptocurrencies who made money in 2017 had to convert their coin into dollars to pay their taxes. Well, this sounds perfectly plausible, but it's hard to assign how much a factor it was in the downturn. So first, the sell-off began in December, the big sell-off. We didn't bottom until February. So maybe tax selling was a factor as we moved down again in March. Volume did pick up modestly as the March decline began, indicating that there was higher levels of selling pressure than in months before. That would lend some support to the tax selling idea. But it could also just as easily be buyers who bought in February who were discouraged when the market, again, went into a major downtrend in March. Again, hard to assign clear cause here. Finally, even if tax selling was a factor, it's going to take a lot more than that to decisively turn the trend around. Just take a look here. For those of you keeping track of the technicals, and I love people... Uh, trading on technicals we may be in a minor uptrend in the last week but look at this long term we are still in a descending trend line from the december high and we have not yet broken out of that we have seen a series of lower priced highs since then that's a descending i'd say breaking that trend line and by the way we'd have to move up above 8700 that would be a major victory for the bulls now that's about 800 dollars away not far but we're certainly heading in that direction. Back to you, Melissa.
2: All right. Thank you very much, Bob Pisani, for more. Let's bring in none other than the man behind the Bitcoin tax selling theory, Fundstrat's Tom Lee. Tom, always good to see you. Great to see you guys. Um, how did you come up with this?
9: Um, well, there's there, there's quite a lot of discussion in a, in a lot of the crypto groups about the, the magnitude of tax selling. So I think we ended up just taking a lot of these thoughts, putting it into a spreadsheet, and we came up with, you know, an estimate that $25 billion would be the, the tax bill owed to the IRS for realized gains for U.S. households, which is a, is a windfall for the IRS. You know, the, the most that they ever received in capital gains in any single year was $144 billion.
2: Right. This also implies, though, that most people who are holders had gains as opposed to losses.
9: Yes, and, and, and it, it's actually easier to trigger capital gains than most people realize. You know, if someone bought an altcoin, as soon as they received those coins from an ICO, that's taxable. Uh, If you sold one token and and flipped into another, that's taxable. So many events became realized taxable events. Mm
2: -hmm. Tim, I think you have a good question for Tom. Well, my my question is that if this is such a
1: global phenomenon and that two-thirds possibly of of crypto trading and activity goes on in Asia, but again, your numbers say $25 alone. If that's U.S., that will move the market. But a U.S. tax moment for a global industry shouldn't be knocking it down so badly.
9: Uh, It's a great point, but... The multiplier of fiat, let's say, so a dollar movement to crypto market cap change, is potentially 20 to 25 times. So a $25 billion liquidation is several hundred billion dollars of market cap impact. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, you know, it's the nature of crypto being sort of an earlier stage industry. It's much more sensitive to fiat flows.
2: What do you need to see in the crypto market in order to m- make you believe that your theory was correct, that it was tax selling pressure? Do we need to reclaim a level or, I mean...
9: Yeah, you know, I would say that we need to see more dynamic uh, price performance in Bitcoin in the next couple of weeks. Uh, One measure is the Bitcoin misery index, which was 18 in February, and it's recovered now to 34. So it's still a little bit above misery, but it's actually come back.
5: Tom, you're one of the few crypto guys who wears a tie. In a jacket, all right. But that also means that you talk to a lot of institutional investors, right? Yes. And and a lot of your research is obviously geared to them. Are you seeing them this year in this downturn getting more interested with the price down 60% from the highs in December? Because just because it's down, that means there's obviously a lot of selling. There's also been buyers. Is that one of the reasons why we're seeing less volatility this year, even on the downside, because there are institutions buying?
9: Well, there's clear heads. I think in December last year there was this fear and need to get involved with crypto without really doing the work. Um, Since the start of the year, there's been real authentic interest from our institutional clients. So we're still doing meetings and teach-ins and providing a lot of resources. But there's not this need to be like, okay, I got to buy it and figure it out. So now there's folks really trying to understand what are the five, ten-year drivers. And that's the kind of holders you want anyways. Is that mainly custody because there's a custody
4: concern, or is it Hundred percent, yeah. So it's a custody concern, and then you have the the regulation issues, right? So Jay Clayton comes out and makes a comment about every token being deemed a security. Maybe, maybe overblowns it a little bit. Is going to pull, his, you know, walk his statement back. But the reality is, how much of an overhang is that still? Meaning the the SEC or the
9: it's a uh, regulatory uncertainty. in The U.S. is a big deal because at the end of the day, nobody wants to take career risk, putting a, an instrument in their portfolio that could suddenly be deemed illegal or put them in the wrong side of it. I think it's actually not a problem for Bitcoin at the moment because it's probably pretty clearly yeah, a commodity. Clean, but then custody, as you said, is, is a problem. You know, nobody really wants to, to explain that they lost a token somehow because custody wasn't. Done
2: in terms of the recent sell-off that we've seen in crypto, Tom, I mean, does, does the length of it make you feel better about the potential bounce that is to come?
9: Uh, yes. I mean, I think that one of the th- things you want to see in a, in a proper bottom is that you have a duration of flatness that causes sentiment to collapse. I, I think that the sentiment among original, even 2014 holders of crypto is terrible right now. So I think that You're talking about
2: the HODL people. I mean, people who were in
9: real early on. Yes. It's it's like HODL with expletives. Um, (laughs) And so I think it's actually positive. But what's interesting is, I don't know if we have a chart here, but if you look at the 2014 Bitcoin bear market, which was 405 days, Mm -hmm. it took 405 days, as you can see here, to retrace one month of gains. So Bitcoin at the bottom of the 2015 bear market was exactly where Bitcoin was in October 2013. So it peaked in November, but it took, you know, in one month of gains, it took four hundred five days to roll all that back. Wow. Interestingly, Bitcoin um, you know a month before the peak was fifty-nine, roughly 5,900, which is where we are, t- you know, where t- we're bottomed recently. Okay.
2: Tom, good to see you. Thank you. Tom Lee, Thanks. a fun strat. What do you think
9: of the The Uh, uh, the technicals really
5: look very interesting on both sides. I mean, I think that this could take a bit longer uh, to bottom out. I think that Bob Bassani's chart, that you look at that downtrend, I I just do think that's important near-term. Because I do think if it fails and it makes lower lows, you're going back to 5,000. And then Tom's misery index kind of gets extended a little bit. But at the end of the day, and we talk about it a lot, we have a lot of different guests about crypto. There's so much money coming into projects related to it and that's the stuff I think you want to keep an eye on because that's the stuff if you're thinking about a 5-10 year time horizon um, that's the stuff that's really going to reinforce it.
4: Yeah I mean Consensus is a company they're an incubator they basically put companies or these ICOs on the Ethereum blockchain and they're getting calls off the hook they've grown to 700 people I mean this is an amazing amazing platform they're building out there so again I think it's about custody I think it's a matter of time for regulation to actually look at these and say they're not their utility tokens and give them an all clear and you're going to see valuations rip
2: still ahead elon musk having another wild weekend on twitter posting photos of tequila talking about bouncy houses are the tesla ceo's bizarre twitter antics just a distraction from his struggling stock we've got the details plus transport soaring today on the heels of strong earnings and one top strategist says it could be signaling the all clear for the broader market we will break it down much more fast money right after this Welcome back to Fast Money. Tesla CEO Elon Musk having another wild weekend on Twitter as Tesla shares sit in a bear market. Phil Ebeau's out in Chicago with all the details. Hi, Phil.
10: Uh, Melissa, if you were following Elon on Twitter this weekend, you certainly were entertained, to say the least. Here are some of those tweets that got a fair amount of attention, some serious, some not so serious. Let's start with this one. This is going to sound crazy, but SpaceX will try to bring rocket upper stage back from orbital velocity using a giant party balloon. And guess how they're going to bring it back? They're going to land it on a bouncy house. He also was tweeting out a picture of Tesla Keela. I know there's more than a few people who would love to have a sip of that. This comes after Friday when the company uh, basically said, Look, he said in a tweet, we are going to be profitable and cash flow positive Q3 and Q4. Remember, at the same time, what you're dealing with when you look at uh, Tesla for the investors is the negative headlines that have been coming out regarding production of the Model 3 as well as production. At Tesla's plant in Fremont, California, reveal out with an investigative piece today that essentially says, look, Tesla has been underreporting worker injuries. Tesla out with a statement this afternoon when we asked him about it, saying what they portray as investigative journalism is, in fact, an ideologically motivated attack by an extremist organization working directly with union supporters to create a calculated disinformation campaign against Tesla. One last thing as you take a look at shares of Tesla, the Boring Company, that's Elon Musk's side project, just filed paperwork for a uh, equity private placement to raise $112.5 million, Melissa. Most of that money, more than 90%, will be coming from Elon Musk, the rest from early employees at the Boring Company as they continue to explore either transporting vehicles via some type of a sled underground or perhaps Elon Musk's version of the Hyperloop.
2: Yeah, I mean they've got a pretty good hat business so far, Phil. Thanks a lot, Phil. Bet. <laughs> Phil Lebeau in Chicago. Well, time for a new game. Like we, we like games here. We're calling it
3: or reality star.
2: So this is how it works. I'll read a few tweets, and the traders will give it, have to guess whether it was tweeted by Elon Musk, the CEO of Tesla, or a reality TV star. Wow. Okay. okay. Tweet number one says, "What a troll, me! How dare you, sir!" Tim.
1: Oh, no question. This was Snooky last night on the Jersey Shore reunion.
0: Okay. Is
2: Elon Musk or reality star? It was Elon Musk, Elon Musk himself. Oh,
1: no, I thought I heard Sorry. Snooki say that. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Next, next tweet here. Gotta love Snooky. Next
2: tweet here. I'd tell you how I feel, but I'd be sending you a handwritten novel. Seberg, uh, who said it? Musk or reality star? I'm going to
4: say reality star. Which one? I don't know which one. I'm guessing.
2: <laughs> so what's the answer? I'm saying
4: reality star. Reality oh, yeah, star. Look at you.
2: Holly Madison.
4: Oh, yeah. TV there you go.
2: reality star. Good guess. It was it could have gone either way though. Yeah. All right, tweet, yeah, number, three. tweet yeah. number 3. Tweet number 3. I killed it again. What city will I go to next? I don't know it. At though at one point my possibilities are endless. Wow, speechless. Thanks you God.
5: Thanks. Dan. That's obviously Elon Musk. Really?
2: really? Obviously. Okay. What's the answer?
5: Answer.
3: Dan, play the game, Dan. He don't a reality I've never watched a That's Jake. Nobody plays by the rules. I don't know who that is. He did, did play by
2: the rules. He said it was who Elon Musk. Guy? James Kennedy. James Kennedy. I don't know who that, that is. He's a reality checker. What's he famous for? You're about star. to be one. Anyway. <laughs> That's another show, literally. <laughs> Final tweet. Your cruel taunts cut me deep, deep, but I love you too. Elon
5: Musk, done, bang, yeah, we ding, have ding. Really. C- Can we comment on the stock Wait, here? Hold on, oh. hold on. Elon Musk, ding,
2: I didn't ding, ding. hesitate. All right, the point of this game was fun and laughs, number one, but number two, yes. the fact that we can't necessarily tell if it's Elon Musk or right. reality but, TV but star, fact, is that no. a problem?
5: Here's the other fact. It's not a problem. He owns 20% of the stock. You know who owns the second most amount? Fidelity owns 10%, and they don't sell. So at the end of the day, when you think about it... you could be as loony as you want. Yeah, and I think they love it. I think they love... You know, so I don't why, know. Why would Fidelity
1: I, love this? Fidelity is a button-up
5: ivory tower...
1: I'm
4: not saying they love it, but they, they
5: don't this? sell it. They're in it for I, the long haul I, I, here. Look, I mean, know? I think it's a pro-
4: I think it's a problem. I, I don't think it's... You know that's not what a CEO does, and I think that real investment. Wow, we have a president for, who sits in uh, the White House and, and, and that's not and what a president Breton's Nuclear do. war. We agree I on mean, that, what are you right? About? But look, this is a company that gives unit guidance. They don't give necessarily cash flow and profitability guidance. And there he is talking about it on Twitter. To me, that's not necessarily what a CEO should be doing. If he's going to put guidance out there, he needs to do it the correct way. Make sure people are aware of the venue that he's going to actually put the guidance out on, and put guidance out. Going you don't like him being back a, you at like, Goldman Sachs and going. You don't, after don't like him going on you Twitter, giving any kind of. Guy yeah. right? I think it's reality fine on Twitter, star. but you can't be a reality <laughs> TV star and the CEO of one of the largest companies, market cap companies in the world. Buddy, you would think I'd be. I would not. Lo- I dig this. I totally dig. No, it. no.
3: I
2: would
4: guess that you would. He's, I would have
3: guessed brilliant. that you would. I get what. But this is a brain, It's 2018. What's brilliant he's about? But he's, he's a genius. He's a he visionary. Is, what, what
1: about this strategy is brilliant? I, I mean, this is a guy well, who's having trouble problem. with credibility right now right. in terms of anything he, he's
3: promised He just said to, to they're going to the gonna be cash flow positive and profitable in the third quarter. Let's see if he owns. Listen, their production right. numbers seem to be surprising people. Mm-hmm. The fact that the stock was down today stock. is upsetting, but I think you traded on the long side against but Why China's is the stock, at why isn't the stock
5: at $100? And you know
3: what,
1: Because, because the markets automation. are 2% from,
4: from a 10-year bull market all-time high. No, no one ever questioned automation in the model, right? Automation, people thought, free. They, they thought it would be fine. No the automation of capital. scenario, right? He's talking about struggles with an automation, needing new, new, more manpower, essentially, in the model. The only thing people worried about was cash flow, ca- uh, capital, whether or not they had enough. And, and you know, that, I think that was the biggest headline risk. So now I think there's cracks in the foundation. I worry about this company now going forward. That was a great game, by the way, Mel. Can we yeah, play that, that again? We we'll, we'll try it another I, time. I enjoyed that Play by, by the rules. All right, coming up.
2: Everybody <laughs> played decently by the rules. Coming up, earnings kicking into high gear this week as a number of Dow names get ready to report. We'll tell you which ones the traders are buying and selling. Plus. Buckle your seatbelts because top strategist and fast money friend Tony Dwyer says stocks are about to soar to new highs. He'll tell us what has him so bullish. More fast money still ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. Hedge fund legend Carl Icahn making a second big sale in a month. Our Leslie Pickers live
11: in the newsroom with all the details. Hi, Les. Hey, Melissa. Carl Icahn is in selling mode these days. Icahn Enterprises announced this morning that it was selling Tropicana Entertainment, which owns casinos and resorts, for $1.85 billion. Gaming and leisure properties Areed is buying the real estate, while El Dorado Resorts is acquiring the gaming and hotel operations. The Tropicana deal comes after Icahn sold federal mogul for 5.4 billion dollars last week. Those two deals comprise 7.3 billion dollars total compared with less than 1 billion worth of asset purchases this year. In fact, 2018 represents the largest value for Icon sales, going back at least seven years, according to data pulled by DealLogic. So, does Carl Icahn know something we don't know about the markets? Well, he said multiple times that he doesn't like to predict whether the market will go up or down in the short term, but take a listen to what he said last month on CNBC.
7: I am somewhat, as I've said before, somewhat concerned about the overall
5: market. It, it, you know, I think there are a lot of variables that you have to worry about. But I've said, I, But you, you know, I, I think, <laughs> I think guessing about
7: the market is really a very difficult game.
11: Now, we've reached out to ICON's office for comment on whether his recent sales are a signal that he believes the market will fall. We did not hear back. Either way, though, it doesn't hurt for him to free up some cash amid lagging returns. ICON returned 2.1% last year when the S&P was up more than 20%. He had losses of 20% and 18% in 2016 and 2015, respectively. Melissa.
2: All right. Leslie Picker, thank you. Uh, Guy, Tom, we've yes. known Carl Icon for a very long time. Yeah, f- friend of the yep, show. Yep. Friend of the show. What do you think this means? These well, sales. I
3: think it, if Carl's selling something, it, you should take notice. But Leslie hit the nail on the head at the end. Icon Enterprises comes out IEP. That's Trader yep. Talk. This was a $140-ish stock four years ago. It's currently trading $60, as Tim pointed out, on a broader market that's within a whisper of an all-time high. So although Carl is a genius, we would all agree... Because he's selling something doesn't necessarily mean it's the right thing to do. Just look at the performance of IEP over the last five years or so.
2: All right. Well, Uncle Carl, as we like to call, him, might be selling, but our next guest, as the market low is in. Joining us now is one of Wall Street's biggest bulls, Tony Dwyer, chief market, Tony. market strategist. Uncle Tony.
12: Ad- uncle <laughs> <laughs> Tony. <laughs> so disturbing. I have an why? Uncle. I have an uncle. Tony, <laughs> uncle Tone. All right. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why Get do you think we've show. seen? Why do you think we've seen the lows? <laughs> So, Mel, throughout this corrective period, we've talked about the shock drop indicator that we use, which is based on the VIX, and I think we have a graphic of it, but what we did back in January is we looked at times when you get the VIX 10-week rate of change to jump to 125. In other words, you have a real shock drop, and that's what happened in early February into the February 9th low. And what happens once you do that is you go into an intermediate term corrective period where you bounce, and then you go back and retest the low, which we've talked about on the show. Well, then what? You know that it's the low. Historically, when this has happened and that 10-week rate of change on the VIX drops from 125 back below zero, it goes negative the low has been in place. So it's not my opinion, it's not my gut feel, because that's good at being wrong. It's just the historical data of what happens when you get a shock drop in the market that spikes the volatility, and then the volatility falls back off. You
2: also say we're going to see new highs in the coming months, and is that based on... Same thing. ...historical data? Same
12: the thing. Once, drop, you, okay. once you get below zero, I looked at times where you got below zero on that 10-week rate of change. The VIX continued lower below 15, and the S&P 500 made a new... 52-week uh, high or a new high regained all what it lost in uh, under four months.
5: Hey, so, Tony, let me ask you this. Do you think market sure. participants are underpricing the potential for uh, a constitutional crisis? And this is a r- real question because I actually think investors are sleepwalking through something that could be very significant this year. If you go back and look in 1973, you had the, the October 20th Saturday Night Massacre. Yep. The market had just made highs, okay, a couple months earlier. It declined 50% between that, the highs peak to trough, to when Nixon resigned in 74. I, I mean, and we've but had you know, two 50% wow, peak okay, to trough so declines so in the last 20 years. D- d- so d- what I'm I saying think is... I the
12: current environment, similar to what has happened before, like in 1998, where you could get a nasty... If that came to play, you would get a nasty sell-off. But again, that 73, 74 was preceded by an inversion of the yield curve, shut down credit, and you were in the heart of a recession. But, so And a spike in, in commodity prices.
1: Let me, let me take Dan scenario and take a lot of the extraordinary stuff out of it. How about they just lose the house?
12: I I don't think, I think that is already assumed. I don't think. You think that's in the market? Yeah, I do. Wow. Think about this, Tim. People talk about what's in the market. You would have to have some kind of economic catastrophe at this point, which means a total shutdown in credit and diving somehow into recession where a Chinese slowdown, a European debt crisis, yeah. and, and no, slow credit growth in the U.S. didn't do it. So some kind of catastrophe to not hit the $155 number we have out there because of the tax cuts and, again, the economy is going positive. So what does that but mean? It, so it, you're at 17 what? times now. So you've gone from 20 to 17 times. I would make the case instead of on, on 2018 numbers. So at the end of this year, if you make 155 and the tape is where it is right now, you're at a 17 multiple, so you've contracted three multiple points. Mm -hmm. So what's in the market? You have to make the case that earnings are going to tank this year to make the case that only the good news is discounted. I'm saying the bad news is actually discounted to some degree. Would anybody on set here, we've been friends for a while, be shocked if the Republicans lost the House? No way.
2: All right, Tony, thank you. Tony Dwyer, Canaccord. Thanks, guys. So
3: in December, Tony came on, and... Basically, things have played out exactly how you said. You know, you said you're going to see some volatility into the new year. You're going to make a low. Market rallied off that low. You're going to say you're going to retest. We got to retest. Now you're going to say you're going to make new, top, new highs. You've been right so far. It stands to reason he's going to continue to be right.
2: All right. Still ahead. Traders are betting on a big breakout for one Dow stock reporting this week. We'll give you the name and tell you what has them excited. Much more fast money. Up next. Welcome back to Fast Money. A number of big names gearing up to report earnings this week. And the options market is implying some pretty interesting moves for one Dow stock. Dan, what did you see? Yeah, so
5: IBM, let's talk about it. It's had two good prints, actually, the last two quarters, but it's given it all back either over weeks or uh, in a matter of days. Today, though, call volume is three times average daily volume in IBM. Um, the implied move is only 4% um, for Wednesday after the report, which is actually below the four-quarter average, about 5%. Actually pretty unique in this sort of volatility environment. But today, the most active call strike was the April this week expiration, 1575 half. Calls about ten, or excuse me, about seven thousand traded, average about three eighty eight. When you see that sort of short dated call buying, um, that's usually traders positioning just for the print here. Stocks rallied about seven percent into it. All
2: right, for more options action, check out the full show. That's Friday, five thirty p.m. Eastern Time. Coming up next, final trades. Final trade time, Tim Seymour. I'd
1: actually like to pack Kevin
4: Johnson and Howard Schultz on the back. Starbucks, go buy that stock. Thirty-two. I am. Uh, I'm taking the other side. of guy on this one. Facebook. I'm a buyer into earnings next week. Dan yeah, Nathan. Yeah. IBM. I'm not chasing into the print. Guy.
2: Fun show tonight. Yeah. It
4: was not bad.
3: Miserable. You see that rain? Oh epic yeah. Rain. Oh come on. No, what? Flooding. Who I mean. But maybe now we've pre- maybe we've made it to the spring, Mel. Let's. And you know what? Spring's eternal hope. What? And you know yeah. where there's hope right now? In shares of wind Resorts.
2: So wondering when you get to it. I'm Melissa Lee. Thanks for watching. See you back here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast Money. Meantime, Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now.
11: Sometimes it takes a
2: different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education.